Welcome to the Beers and Bible Podcast, a podcast that explores God's Word while enjoying the fruits of God's creation. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore, on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcast, and on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and a review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. Billy Currington summed it up well when he said, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. So let us join our hosts, Michael and Anthony, for this week's discussion. Welcome to episode 130 of the beers and bible podcast i am michael and i am anthony and this is the start of the official beers and bible big box bonanza beer contest thing yep (laughs) it's happening we're we're rolling into it is that we're we're gonna drink two something we I don't know that we've ever like I, I think occasionally we've had two two beers throughout the course, but I don't think we've ever drank two different beers in one night. We've never intentionally done it. That's right. We will like sometimes like sometimes I'll drink one and have a second one up here mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where I'm in my office where I'm recording. Um, but we've never said this is what we're doing. So yeah. I mean, do we do we want to just jump right into that? I think we should, because I think, I mean, it's going to be a little bit longer because we basically have two beers that we need to taste, give some type of review on, and then pick a winner. So we're going to pick a winner every week. And tonight we've got the Modelo mm-hmm. Cerveza and Especial. I've got, they, they had like 19 Modelos, so I just picked the Especial. I think that's the one I got as well. I think we have the same one. <laughs> yeah, the white ball, the white label, yes. Yep. And then we have the uh, New Belgium Voodoo Ranger IPA competing against each other tonight. Yes. So that is uh, that's the two. And if you know Michael or myself, uh, because you've paid attention at all to the podcast, you basically already know which one's going to win tonight. <laughs> Probably so. All right. So let's get into it. So tonight we're going to start with the uh, New Belgium Voodoo Ranger. Uh, yep. New, New Belgium is based in, oh, I just had it pulled up, uh, Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, the Voodoo Ranger comes in at is it on the seven percent, seven percent ABV. The can is like their cans are all cool. I like the skeleton, yeah, like, outlaw looking guy they got. Um, and I think the only thing I've ever had from New Belgium is actually uh, these two. I no, I've had Fat Tire. Fat Tire is a very That's good right. beer. Yeah, that, that's tire is good. That's delicious. So, uh, so Voodoo Ranger IPA, seven uh, percent ABV, uh, fifty IBUs, um, and that's pretty much all that is on their website for this one. Well, so, let's crack it open and see how it's gonna compare. It's gonna be difficult to compare, but let's let's roll. Here we go. Three, two, one. Crack. Oh God! There's that IPA <laughs> smell. So I'm uh, leaving. So what I'm going to do? Anthony's pouring his up because he's a creature of habit. Yes, um, I am. I typically am too, but I'm going to change it up. I'm going to leave the beers in the containers that I get them in. Yeah. Just to see, like, I don't know. Maybe maybe the people that make it want it drank from these things first. But maybe it's only good out of a can. I don't know. We're gonna find out. This is not going to be good. It's an I IPA. My, I got my Braves kept tonight because the Braves are on a 14-game win streak as of right now. Yeah. When this comes out, hopefully they'll still be streaking and be at like 30 games or something. Well, we'll see. We'll see. If, if they, Hey, if they are still winning, if they haven't lost a game by the time this episode comes out, they will have won. They would have not lost a game for the whole month of June. That would be amazing. I looked up the record. The record right now is 26 games. So they're a little past halfway. That's right. Come on, Braves. You can do it. Chop on. So let's get this IPA down the hatch and see uh, see what it's going to come up to. Let's go. Go. 
That isn't. That's even bad for an IPA to me. It's not that. It's better than the IPA I had a couple of weeks ago. Mm. It's better than the uh, Bridge to Nowhere. That was not good. It it tastes. The texture is good, but it tastes bitter with no flavor. It just tastes like bitter. Oh, it! I have the taste of onions in my mouth. That's what it tastes like. It tastes wow. like onions. <laughs> I'm not getting that. Um, I'm getting like a grapefruity, like <clears throat> like a hint maybe, of grapefruit. Maybe maybe that's what it is. I don't like grapefruit, so I mean, though I hate it. I can't stand grapefruit. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's just. I mean, it's just like tart bitter. That's why I don't like IPAs. They're just, okay, I'll they're say just, this. If we were rating this, I would give it like two and a half max Luthers. Yeah, that's, I'm I'm at two or two and a half on this thing. I feel bad giving it two because that was Kalik, and Kalik is like pure trash. Mm-hmm. But this isn't much better than Kalik, in my opinion. Okay. <laughs> All right, so we're going to uh, crack open the Modelo now? Or you yeah, wanna... I don't even know if I'm going to finish that. That's bad. Let's get All to right. the Modelo and see how this thing's going to do. All right, so the Modelo uh, Especial Cerveza, ooh, excuse me, imported. I'm not seeing any ABVs or, it's oh, there 4. it is. Four, oh, so 4. much. 4. Yep, 4.4, brewed in Mexico. It's an imported beer. It's and a Pilsner it's, style. This fancy foil thing always scares me. I think that's why I've never had Modelo. I have had Modelo before, so I, I kind of know what to expect. I didn't get me a lime tonight because I want to just drink it pure. Okay. To make sure I'm giving it the fairest rating of all. So let's crack open our Modellos. Well, hang on. I'm still struggling a little bit here. <laughs> I told you, I, the, like, the foil scares me. Just put your uh, put your bottle opener and it'll it'll break off. You don't have to do that. Well, I'm, I'm there now, so... <laughs> All right, that's close All enough. Right. All right, let's see what happens. Here we go. Three, two, one, crack. Okay, my bottle opener is not the greatest. My, oh. my cap gun did oh. not like. <laughs> that's a weird smell. Yeah. It Okay, this is going to sound gross. Uh-huh. But when you smoke a cigar and you're done with it, um, I usually put it like in a cup and pour some water on it just to make sure all the embers get out. Yeah. That's what this smells like. I'm going to do this. I'm going, gonna, all, I'm going all in. I'm going to pour this one up too. Okay. Well, I'm not just because I don't have a glass up here. Exciting times at my house. I have a new beer fridge. Um, I just haven't hooked it up yet. So. <laughs> You need to get on that. Well, I had to get uh, something to protect the carpet up here because I'm carpeted upstairs. And I read online that you're not supposed to put a fridge on carpet. Mm, Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I got like one of them like rolly chair floor protectors to put underneath it. That'll work, right? Okay. Sure. I mean, yeah, it'll absolutely work. All right, Modelo. I can't tell if you're being real, like sarcastic or <laughs> honest with me there. So, <laughs> Modelo, what you got? Let's do it. Bottoms up. It's actually been a while since I've had a Modelo. Um, okay. That's not very flavorful. That's not what I remember. <laughs> I think if you put the lime in it, it would be better. I think all Mexican beer is designed to have a lime in it. I still don't like that. I don't like either of them. Oh, <laughs> this is this needs to be this needs to be like ice cold. Yeah, mine's really, really cold. Is it good? Is it better than what I'm drinking? Because mine's not very cold. Probably. Um, when it's really cold, 
you you get just more of that crisp beer. Like yeah, I, I, I have your, like there's no crispness. It's almost flat. Oh yeah, mine's not flat. Mine's got mine's got. But good, I think that may be because it's not cold. Probably. Ugh. And this just goes to prove that people who drink their beer lukewarm are terrible and they need to be done away with. I'm just going to say that. Are you um, in, encouraging violence? I am. You, you no, insurrectionist? I am not insurrectioning <laughs> right now. But what I am saying is if your friends drink their beer lukewarm, you need to stop being friends with those people. Okay. That's what I am saying. So I think if I put a squirt of lime in this Modelo, it would actually be a lot better. I think if mine was cold, it'd be a lot better. I yeah. am. I was so sure that I would be like a hundred percent on this. Yeah. And I'm still ugh, good grief. So <clears throat> based on my current experience, Modelo is getting the same rating as voodoo. You're giving it two and a half. I'm giving it two and a half. <laughs> I'm not enjoying it, but I think that's more got more to do with the fact that it's not cold. I'll put uh, I'll put them in the fridge or maybe put one in the freezer mm-hmm. and see if that makes a difference. <clears throat> so, no, knowing that I have I have drunk Modelo with a lime in it because that's how my local me- Mexican restaurant serves it. They serve it with a lime on it. Mm-hmm. Um. I, I do come to the conclusion that I'm just not a real big fan of Mexican beer. Um, it's basically like one step up from IPAs for me. Um, I, I loathe Corona. Corona is literally like disgusting to me. Even when you put a lime in, it's still gross. But I would have to, if I'm going to pick between the two of these, and you tell me I have to pick one and I have to drink one, I'm going to pick Modelo every time because the thing like Modelo is not good as far as like flavor or anything like that. It's, I mean, it's just got a normal beer flavor. So I'm, I'm, I'd give it three Luthers is what I would probably give it. Mm-hmm. I, it you have to put a lime in it, I think for sure. But the, I, the, IP, I'm just not, I don't like IPAs. There's th- this one was rigged from the beginning for me because I just don't like IPAs. So I'm going to pick the Modelo and I would give the Modelo three Luthers. So whatever that's worth. Well, I think it's pretty, I think we've pretty much beat this dead horse over the course of the history of our podcast that IPAs are not either of our favorites. Um, no, not my favorite either. Um, I'm a little disappointed in the Modelo, but I think mm-hmm. that may be more to do with like error on my part, not getting in the, not getting it in the fridge early enough to get it cold. Um, there's an issue at the package store. I think their coolers weren't very cold when I got there today. So I don't know if that had something to do with it, but, um, but I'm in the same boat, man. I, if I had to choose between Modelo and the Voodoo, I don't think I could ever choose the voodoo <laughs> ever, ever. So I'm going to roll with the Modelo and we have our first beer moving on to the next round of the big box Bonanza bash bracket, <laughs> whatever this thing's called, whatever we're calling it. Um, and there we go. So Modelo, you're moving on to round technically, I guess round three, if the, polling is round one and this is round two or however yeah. you want to technicality. So, um, so next week, um, you said you wanted to go the opposite end of the bracket. Is that right? We might as well. Okay. So next week, uh, in case you guys are wanting to pregame, I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> pregame for the episode. Um, Next week, our matchup is the Guinness Draught versus Angry Orchard. Mm. Um, and that one might be fun because a good stout is can sometimes catch me by surprise. And it's been a long time since I've had Guinness, like a long time. We have Guinness in our fridge right now, but I'm refraining from drinking it because I know it's coming. Uh-huh. And I don't want to. Uh, I want my reaction 
to be authentic here. Yeah. I do like so, Angry Orchard. I've had Angry Orchard too. See, and there's we can we'll talk about this next week, I'm sure, but is Angry Orchard a beer? It's a cider. It's technically not a beer, but it made it in the top 16. Yeah. So I mean maybe we're gonna change our podcast name to the Beers Insider Podcast. Mm, probably not. <laughs> probably not. So so, like we said, Medella moving on to the next round. Booty Ranger has been eliminated. I will probably be pouring those out. Um, yeah. I'm sad I had to buy a six-pack to eliminate that yeah, one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't find a single. Nope. Singles don't ex- Dude, they used to have in the stores, they used to have these, like, build your six-pack. So, if you go to the beach, um, the Walmart in Panama City has that. Yeah, but it's only like the local, like local-ish breweries. It's not like you can get Budweiser and Miller, and like you can't pick your build your own six pack from those. But <laughs> that's a good way to try some stuff. Yes, it is. I used to love build your own six packs so back in the day, but like my our Publix used to have them. They don't have it anymore. Hmm. Rouse's, which is where I typically buy my beer, um, they don't have it anymore. None of my local grocery stores have build your own six pack anymore. And, and I'm, I'm kind of sad about that. So hmm. anyway, well, all right, there's, well, there the, you go. There's the first round of that. And after this short musical break, which will be glorious, I'm sure. Um, we're going to dive into our week one of our discussion on the books of the Bible. We're starting at the beginning. With Genesis. <laughs> so stick with us for a second and we'll we'll yeah, we will be right back. Welcome back from that musical break. That is amazing. Every single week, our, our musical breaks are amazing, man. I don't know how we get those guys to play so consistently every week, um, but man, they just do a great job. And we're sorry that it's just a recording. So funny story. <laughs> when I was a kid, I used to think that radio stations had the bands come in and play songs. Really? Yes. That's when I, awesome. it, I was probably I was probably like ten or twelve before I realized that's not what it was. I was, it, it was more, I was older than I should have been, but I always thought, man, that is so cool that they got Lone Star to come in and sing. <laughs> but then, then like the next song, Lone Star is playing the, you know, on a different station, like five minutes like, later, I was like, do that. Those guys booked it to get across the town. <laughs> oh, then, that's amazing. Then I thought like each city had their own bands. I thought like where I was like, that's the. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I was an idiot. Start, Lone Star was your band from your yeah. city. <laughs> Lone Star was unique to my, and you know, it, it doesn't matter anyway. So, oh man, that's so amazing. That's great. Well, we are going to start tonight and we're going to dive in our book by book walkthrough of the Bible. 66 books, roughly 66 weeks. I'm sure we'll have a few interruptions in there. Um, but one thing I did, and I Michael didn't know this, that, that I just thought about because it just popped in my mind because I have ADD, is um, coming up, before we dive into this, coming up November, in the 1st of November, mm, Yes, um, we, we are going that. to be a part of the RFP camp meeting, the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast camp meeting in Danville, Virginia at Hope Church. It's going to be a blast. Uh, Michael and I are planning to be there, and we are um, going to be having a good time with those guys from the RFP and hanging out with the RFP fam and getting to know. And we would love to invite you guys to that if you guys are listening. Um, come to it. It's going to be fun. 50 bucks is the cost, uh, and that covers basically the whole weekend except for, I think, meals and things like that, but it helps – the RFP guys who are sponsoring everything, it helps them cover the cost of speakers and bands and all the fun stuff that's going to be happening that weekend. 
Um, so we would love to see you guys and meet you guys. If y'all are out there in, mm. in the podcast land and you're fans of the RFP and you're fans of beers and Bible, we'd love to meet y'all. So yeah, that $50 doesn't cover room. No, food. it does not. It, it, so you're, you'd be responsible for like your room and food, but like Anthony says, it covers the stuff happening at the camp meeting, which is Danville, Virginia. I mean, there's, there's, not a whole lot happening in Danville, Virginia. Sorry, Brian Edwards. I'm sorry. Danville's just not that big. Next week, we'll be rescinding <laughs> the invitation. <laughs> the RFP guys are like, you know what? Just don't don't, don't bother. <laughs> RFP guys are going to kick us out for that one. No, but it's going to be at Brian Edwards Church. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully, we will get to see some of y'all there. So uh, no, that's November 3rd and 4th is when that is happening uh, there in Danville, Virginia at Hope Church. So join us there. Anywho, back to tonight's topic, which is going to be Genesis. And tonight we're going to dive into the very beginning of the Bible. Now, remember where we've come from, uh, the discussion that we've had with my buddy Brian over the last few weeks. It's been an amazing discussion. I love Brian. He's like, he's one of my favorite people because he's just so smart and, and, you don't know it until you get into a conversation with him and you're like, oh my gosh, this guy is like a treasure trove of knowledge. He just has everything like mm-hmm. right there on the tip of his tongue. It's amazing. Right. Um, but Brian walked us through, helped us walk through the Old Testament, New Testament, just kind of get an overview of how we read the Bible, why we read the Bible. Um, and and one thing I wanted to hit on as we jump into the book of Genesis is Remember the narrative of the Bible. Remember the overarching, they call it the meta-narrative of Scripture, which is creation, fall, redemption, consummation. Everything is going to be moving towards that consummation, which we get to in Revelation. But tonight, we're really going to be focusing on that first part of that meta-narrative, which is creation, Mm -hmm. which is where Genesis picks up. I mean, Genesis means beginning. Yeah. That's what it means. It's the first. Yeah. And so, so let's dive into Genesis. What is, give us a quick major division overview of what Genesis actually is. All right. So you can divide the book of Genesis into basically two divisions. Uh, You Mm -hmm. have a creation of the world, which is the uh, primeval history. Is that Mm -hmm. right? Primeval. Uh, Primeval. Reading's hard. Uh, so the first 11 <laughs> chapters of Genesis are uh, the primeval history of creation of the world. Um, and then the rest of the book, 12 through 50, is the patriarchal history, mm-hmm. beginnings of mankind. Um, now, in the first 11 chapters, you're looking at things. You, we we uh, learn things. Uh, God is creator. The the creation stories in, mm-hmm. in chapters one and two. Um, in chapters three through the beginning of chapter six, we see God judges and protects. Mm-hmm. Um, that's And that's a pretty clear picture all throughout scripture that God judges and protects mm-hmm. his people. And, and exp- there's, that's very clear here. Um, and then in the rest of chapter six, and then through verse 11, um, God punishes and renews. And that's where we have the, the, the story of Noah and the ark and the flood and, and God, eradicating mankind from the earth, except for this one family that he's chosen Mm -hmm. to save. And then from that, all of humanity now has come from. So so that's, that's the creation of primeval history. And then when you get into the beginnings of mankind in verse and not verse in chapter 12, Mm -hmm. um, you have God's call and calls and promises, which are like chapters 12 through 18. Um, Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Can't read. Uh, 12 through 25. Yeah. Um, and then in uh, 25 through 28, you have God provides. Uh, and the another part of chapter 28, God elects and protects. And then from there, uh, basically the last 13 chapters of Genesis, mm-hmm. God preserves. God preserves that which he is elected and protected and provided for and calls and promised like it's all kind of woven in together. Right. So yeah. uh, God preserves is, is the end of um, the last section of uh, Genesis there. Yeah. It's, it's really good to remember that, that as we walk through scripture, God is continually revealing more and more things about himself, about his character, 
about who he is and about how he operates. That's what scripture teaches us. Um, and so, you know, we, we put those short little kind of, I guess, summaries on, on huge chunks of scripture, because you see that in, in Genesis one through two, you see God created the world, everything, the heavens and the earth. And we say he created, created all of that ex nihilo out of nothing. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that puts God as separate from his creation, which is why you've probably heard me say on this podcast that God is not bound by anything in his creation because he is separate from his creation. Mm -hmm. He is the sustainer of all of creation. If he, if he decides that it stops, it stops. Yeah. And, and that's when, when we start talking about sovereignty, that's where that is founded. That's where that, that belief comes from because nothing exists. Um, one of the things that I've heard uh, argued recently from different people is that God is bound by logic. God is not bound by logic because God created logic. Logic exists because of God. Mm -hmm. Therefore, God is not bound by it. The, the creator is not bound by the creation. Right. And, and it's, it's important to understand that. And then as you go through the stories of uh, Noah, and then you get into the stories of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and all of these, as you walk through, that's where you see God calling and, and uh, promising God, providing uh, God electing. He, he chose Jacob over Esau. You know, the Bible says, Jacob, I loved Esau. I hated. That's very tough language for us as humans now, 2,000, 6,000, 8,000 years removed from this story in Genesis. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, God can do what he wants to do, irregardless of our feelings about it. And, I, and, right. and that's what it boils down to is our feelings. Yeah. So back up, I, I, I'm, there are people that say that God is bound by logic. I have heard that argument. Yes, it's it's a it's, and those people have a very messed up conception of who God is and what He's capable of. Well, when you say when you say that God is bound by logic, it I mean let, let let's think about it logically. When you're saying that God is bound by logic, you're saying that God is bound by the thing that He created. Mm -hmm. Okay, so. If if let's use one of the things in apologetics is they use the watchmaker argument. This this is often a deistic view as a watchmaker argument. The watchmaker creates the watch, winds it up, gets it started, and leaves it. Okay. The the problem that I have with the argument that God is bound by logic says that let's let's kind of tie this to the watchmaker argument. Um if if God is bound by logic, then then God creates the watch, puts the watch together. Um, starts the watch, and then because of the way the watch has been started, God has to sit there and continually uh, wind it or do something to it, or he has to operate in the fashion that the watch dictates. Okay? Um, this this may not be a perfect analogy, but, but that when you're arguing that God is bound by logic, that's exactly what you're arguing. You're saying that something that is created has authority over the creator mm -hmm. because you're saying that the the creator has to operate by this certain thing that is a creation of him now i can understand where you're going to say god does not operate illogically and and i would agree with that statement that god does not operate illogically but I also know that we as humans do not have an infinite understanding of logic that God does have. Right. And if God has an infinite understanding of logic, then there is a way that he understands logic that is different from the way we understand logic. Right. So God is not bound by the way we understand logic. Right. Okay. He, he may, he may act in a way that seems illogical to us because we don't have the capacity for the logic that God has. That's exactly right. And how he operates. That's exactly right. And because his logic is superior to our logic, he's not bound by logic because he created it. Mm -hmm. And so we don't have the authority to bind him to human logic. 
that that that's that's an illogical argument. Yeah. Okay. So, I, I I I've just never heard that argument that God is bound by logic. Yeah. Um, it's it's brought out in a lot of um, evidentialist people. They they want to see re- reason and evidentialism is is where you see that argument come out a little bit mm. um, because they're trying to look for a noted stated like proof and evidence. That's what, I mean, that's what an evidentialist is. And they're trying to look for an evidence that points to a reasonable solution. Gotcha. So it's, it's not a bad thing. I'm, I'm not, I'm not downing evidentialists or, or reason people who, who say that we should operate by reason. I think we should operate by all those, but I think we should understand that reason is a creation of God. Therefore, whatever God says in his scripture mm-hmm. is the authority, regardless of if, if we think it fits inside of reason or not. Right. So. I was just like, while you were talking about like the watchmaker thing, it was a little confusing to me. I'm sitting here going like, how, how do I try to understand what you're talking about <laughs> and just in my and this may be way oversimplifying it i don't know but it'd be like if you build a fence mm-hmm. and then you the fit like you're bound within the confines of the fence even if you put yeah a gate on the fence yeah but you can't leave because the fence is holding you. like that doesn't make sense i don't know that's that no that's that's that, a that really not, good that may not be it. a much better Watchmaker seems more philosophical and stuff, but like then, then fence fence builder is like Billy Bob's the uh, <laughs> philosophy. But anyway, so oh man, so we we have these major divisions. We we can really divide Genesis into two different sections: mm-hmm. um, the creation of the world, the beginnings of mankind, and yet we're we're not saying the beginnings of mankind means that this is the first man that's created. Obviously, Adam is the first man that's created. You have Adam's kids, you have Cain and Abel, you have everything going down, you have it leading up to Noah, then you have Noah, then it leads into Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, all of that happens, you know, and and so, but it it's in verse, or it's in chapter 12 that you really start to see the development of mankind, you know, and from Genesis 1 through 11, we the focus is really on the creation. It's really mm-hmm. on, you know, you have a few actors in there, yes, but it's really on the creation. Um, and so that's why we call it the primeval history and then the patriarchal history, because that's what begins. Uh, Genesis chapter 12 is kind of what begins God's chosen people. Yeah, we don't have in the first in the first 11 chapters, we don't have like entire groups of people doing anything really, yeah. except I for. Mean, Except for like battle, bang- <laughs> yeah, or banging on the ark, like trying to get in. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, but yeah, that, that that makes sense. So, so that's our major divisions, um, and then I, I think another area that that we'll probably try to cover each week is going to be this kind of like major events or major covenants, things that happen. Genesis, it's really kind of centered around covenants because you have two major covenants mm-hmm. in Genesis. Um, the first one happens in in uh, chapter six through nine. You have the story of Noah, and then of course you have the covenant with the promise of the rainbow. I will never flood the earth again. Um, and then in chapter fifteen, you have a second covenant which comes in with Abraham. And so you have the call of Abraham in chapter twelve moves up to the covenant with Abraham, which is in chapter fifteen, and then that covenant is really renewed to each one of Abraham's descendants. You have uh, Isaac in chapter 26. You have Jacob in chapter 28. Um, you have, who else? There's Joseph. I think it's 30. I want to say it's 33 is where Joseph's, I can't remember off the top of my head. But um, this this serves as a basis for the Old Testament, this this covenant structure, this covenant uh, relationship serves as a basis for the Old Testament, and it's the way that God ends up doing things like giving us the law. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at Exodus chapter twenty verses uh, twenty through twenty four, uh, which we're going to talk about next week, um, and then you have end up being there. There's the gift of kings that comes in like Second Samuel, um, and so 
this idea of a covenant relationship is established from the beginning. Yeah. Um, and, and we're not going to dive into it here, but just do a little bit of reading and a little bit of research on what and what a covenant relationship is, because that covenant relationship carries into the new Testament through Jesus and through our salvation, our salvation ends up being a covenant relationship with God. Yeah. And so, um, that's your major events. That's your major divisions of Genesis. Let's do just kind of a, uh, we've kind of hit on some of the major points, but let's do a real summary of Genesis as a whole. So let's walk, let's start from the very beginning. What's, what's the very first thing that we see in Genesis? So the, like we talked about the first chapter and a couple of verses is the prologue, right? Mm-hmm. The, the one, this is, this is what was weird about Genesis. There's two accounts of creation. Yep. Like, and they, and they're a little bit different each time. I, th- I, I think there's like minor differences between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, so chapter uh, one, verse one through chapter two, verse three is a prologue. Um, that's where we get the, what God did on which day. Uh, and that's, I mean, if you've been in church longer than about five minutes, you probably know that one. Um, <laughs> so after the prologue, we have the account of human beginnings. Um, this begins with uh, human beings uh, being created in place in Eden. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have the two trees, knowledge of the tree of good or the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Yeah. Um, and obviously the uh, seduction of the serpent or the seduction of Eve by the serpent to take of the take from the tree she wasn't supposed to take from yeah and what something, ultimately leads to the downfall there yeah something right there is is interesting that i've always thought about the introduction of the institution of marriage happens hmm. before the fall you know just so yes. just so we know where that is the institution of marriage which is why christians have defended marriage for so long for mm-hmm. all of christian history yeah. They have defended marriage as one man and one woman because that's the way it was instituted in Genesis chapter two. Right. And so all of that happens before the fall is accounted for. Mm. So there, there's that little side. I just want to stick that little side note in there. No, no, that's good. <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, could you argue that without the fall, there's none of this LGBTQA? LMNOP exclamation you point stuff. Definitely good that that, okay. that is a result of the fall. Yes. Okay. Cool. Um, well, not cool, but you know. <laughs> anyway, so after so after the human beginnings, we get into the account of Adam's family line. This is mm-hmm. uh, chapter five in the first part of verse uh, chapter six. Um, it's a genealogy, um, and so genealogies are always important because it traces um a very specific thing that that the author is trying to say okay a lot of these things will they'll only point out certain people their only thing and what they're doing is they're basically always think about them as connected dots you may not see the story in full yet but at the end of it when you've got all the dots connected you can see what the picture that they were trying to paint is Mm -hmm. and so we don't have to know what all of these people are going from Adam to Seth, Cain and Abel in there. Um, you don't have to know really what all these people are right now. But as we walk through scripture, you're going to end up seeing it. And the ultimate point here is that they lead to Noah, which Noah in his day was listed as one of the only righteous men alive, which is why God decided to flood the earth. Right. And so, you know, you have the account of Adam's family line, and they give that genealogy to show how that genealogy traces down to Noah and why Noah was a righteous man, because he was tied to Adam, which is God's creation. Mm-hmm. God always continually renews him, renews to himself a remnant of people. Mm. And so, so you'll see that theme all the way through scripture that God always keeps to himself a remnant of people, even when everything is going wrong. There's always a group of people who are faithful to God and who live by his statutes, live by his rules. And, and they're, and they're referred to as the remnant of God. And so, uh, when we get to Noah, 
we we hear about the flood. Noah does the ark, um, builds all that kind of stuff, saves humanity, and then you get to Noah's kids, which are Shem, Ham, and Japheth, uh, and then we end up tracing them down into chapter twelve, and we get to uh, Abraham, mm-hmm. it, which in chapter twelve he's called Abram, um, and then Sarai, which her name is changed to Sarah. Interesting note here on on those two. It's it's funny because you uh, you change the name Abram to Abraham, and you change the name Sarai to Sarah, and and there is a there is in inside of some Jewish circles there is a understanding that the ah the the that letter in Hebrew is actually the breath. It's a it's it's a breath sound, mm-hmm. and so. Um, the what what you see in Abram to Abraham is God putting His breath into mm-hmm. Abraham, and and it's yeah. a it's a I'm choosing you, I'm pulling you, I'm setting you aside. Mm-hmm. You're going to be a set apart person. Yeah, and think about the the call to the church. We are to be a people who are set apart. Yeah, we have been breathed in new life when when we receive the holy spirit and mm-hmm. so from the very beginning you see that everything is about you must be born again you must have new life you must have new breath and that's what god does to abraham in in the first chapters of his story from from really chapter 15 15 on uh until you get to until you get to about 25 which is um once we've gone through Abraham and Isaac, and then we get to to Ishmael, um, and so you have Abraham rolling into the story of Isaac, and then you know it's it's always interesting to always like to point out Genesis twenty two is the first time we see worship in the Bible, um, and what is worship described as nothing other than they're they're going to go up on the Abraham says they're going to go up on the mountain and worship. And they're going up on the mountain to sacrifice, mm-hmm. um, and so you have that picture of worship, and and worship in our lives should be a sacrifice, mm. because that the first it, it, there's there's a uh, a rule kind of in biblical interpretations where it's it's called the the law of first mentions. The first time a a something is mentioned in scripture is kind of like the standard, and everything else kind of gets measured back to that standard. And so think about Romans chapter 12, uh, when Paul says, this is your spiritual act of worship, that you offer yourselves as living sacrifices. Tie that all the way back to Genesis 22, Mm. where Abraham walks up on the mountain with his son, and he says, we're going up onto the mountain to worship. And then Isaac says, we don't have a, uh, basically, we don't have anything to offer we don't have anything to sacrifice. And what does Abraham say back to Isaac? The Lord will provide, mm-hmm. which is where we see what we talked about earlier. Uh, God provides. Yeah. You know, um, so that gets us all the way down through the account of Isaac. And it pushes us into Ishmael and on uh, on into the rest of Abraham's descendants, which are Jacob, Joseph, uh, Jacob and Esau, Joseph. And let's talk about the rest of those for just a minute. After we get through all that, we're, um, we're now into the account of Esau. Um, and just the, the chapter there just talks about his lineage that the Edomites become a great nation Mm -hmm. as promised again, God of promises there, but, but they're also another of the neighbors who continually threaten Israel and their security mm-hmm. in the promised land. And then we get into the account of Jacob, um, which is really the final family story in the book of Genesis. It's actually what will conc- go to the end of the book here. Yeah. Um, and God uses Jacob to rescue Israel uh, from famine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, again, God preserve God preserves his people and protects his people mm-hmm. and provides for his people. And like we talked about already, all these things kind of snowball onto each other. They, yeah. Like God calls and promises and God's going to provide and God's going to protect God's going to preserve. And so mm-hmm. if God's called his people to do something, he's not going to 
he's not going to walk away from him and be like, all right, y'all figure it out. <laughs> he, he's, he's going to be intimately involved in every detail. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, think about the story of Joseph of, uh, yeah, Joseph, the story of Joseph, he's sold into slavery from his brothers, right? Mm-hmm. His brothers sell him into slavery. His dad thinks he's dead. And that all sets into motion a, a series of events that leads Joseph to being the one who saves Israel from famine. Mm-hmm. And his brothers are going to get or trying to go get food and they don't realize it's Joseph. Mm-hmm. And Joseph recognizes them and reveals himself at the right time. And they, you know, they fall on their face and worship him like he said they would. Um, <laughs> Shocker. And, then, and then he's and then he's able to, you know save his family and provide for what they need. So, yeah, but God set that whole thing into motion from the beginning. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, I think that just speaks to the, uh, sovereignty and the omnipotence and the omniscience mm-hmm. of God and how he, he knows every detail of everything before, or he's known every detail of everything. not, he knows, but he's known every detail of everything that has ever happened and ever yeah. will happen. Um, since before he said, let there be light, you know, yeah. since, since he was, since it was just him. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, it's always interesting to me because you have Jacob and Esau kind of sets up this, this rival thing from the very beginning uh, of the, the chosen people of God. And many times we, we want to to fight and we want to bicker, but I think it's interesting. E- even though it says, you know, Jacob, I loved Esau, I hated. Mm-hmm. God still builds Esau into a great nation, and He promises to build Esau into a great nation. Right. And so, it's a lot of times we think that God hating somebody means that that that's terrible, or there that person is terrible, or whatever. That's not always the case. And we need to always look at the way God is using somebody in our lives. Yeah. Um, Because God is always trying to teach us something. And no matter what it is, look for what he, who he's using to teach you something. Look for it because he might be using an Esau and that Esau might be a terrible person. There's no doubt about that, 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 that might be a terrible person, but God is still trying to use that to teach you something. Yeah. Something about himself and, and Jacob into Joseph ends up leading to Joseph saying in, in chapter 50, verse 20, what you intended for evil, God Mm -hmm. intended for good. And, and it, it just goes to show that God can use human agency and people who make choices of their own broken free will to move his purposes forward. Yeah. And he's going to continue to do that. Yeah. Nothing is wasted when it comes to um, making making people who follow Jesus more like Jesus. No, conse- no circumstance, no situation we go through is yeah. wasted by God. God doesn't waste anything yeah. to make us more like him and to bring himself glory. That's an right. honor that the glory and honor that he is due. Yeah, this is. I, I read this quote in another another book that I've I've kind of skimmed through a little bit, and it says, "No threat, however severe, can thwart the Lord's plans for Abraham." He's specifically talking about Abraham's family for Abraham's family. The Creator's purpose for creation will be upheld through the lives of these particular creatures, and mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that carries on because you know Abraham to Isaac to Ishmael, to Jacob and Esau, to Joseph. All of that is is at the direction in the hand of the Lord. And Genesis sets the stage to show God will do what God's going to do, and he will complete what he's going to complete Mm -hmm. in his time on his agenda, and we get to be a part of it. Yeah. And I, and, I, and I think that's probably one of the, the best summaries for what Genesis actually is for us as believers. Yeah. So, I mean, it really does. It really does show that God is who he says he is. Yeah. Yep. 
He is God over all the good and the bad. We're going to get to some of that when we get to Job. Um, but man, what an encouragement the book of Genesis actually is for believers. Yep. So, well, there's your, there's your overview of Genesis. I hope you enjoyed that. Yeah. Shall we pray? Let's do it. Let's do it. You want to pray for us, Michael? I can. Do it. Dear God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for this discussion that we've had as we walk through the book of Genesis. I pray that we've um, encouraged and blessed uh, those who will be listening to this. God, I pray that you just be with us this week. Help us to take what we have uh, talked about tonight and learned um, and apply it to our lives in some way. Help us to see you as um, a provider, a protector, um, someone who equips his people to do exactly uh, what they've called, what you've called them to do, God. Um be with us this week. Help us to be more like you in our interactions with family, friends, coworkers, people that know you and people that don't. And God, I just pray that we uh, honor you and glorify you with all that we do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Michael, if they want to reach us on social media platforms, where would they do it? You can find the Beers and Bible podcast on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore. You can find us on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can find us on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcast. And then you can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. Boom. Well, until next week in the book of Exodus, I hope your beer stays cold because Michael's wasn't cold tonight. Mm-hmm. And your Bible stays open. And we will see you later. Peace out. <laughs> <laughs>